Welcome back to the Core EM Podcast, core content for anyone, anywhere, and just in time. This is the official podcast of the NYU Bellevue EM Residency Program. I'm Anand Swami Nathan. And I'm Jenny Beck Esme. How you doing, Swami? Eh, not too bad, not too bad. What's going on with you? Oh, just a little work, a little play, nothing too crazy. Winding down from the holidays, ready to get back into everything? Absolutely. All right, all right. You know, this is a busy time of year for us. It's gotten cold, finally. And with the cold comes all the hypothermia, which is always fun. And people just tend to be sicker. It's funny because I always think around July, August, it's hot out, it's humid, everyone's going to be in the street, a lot of shooty, a lot of stabby. But for some reason, the winter isn't so good for trauma. I mean, it's good for trauma. It's not not good for the patients. No, no, it's not good. Not yeah, <laughs> lots lots of pedestrians struck, and I feel like so my yeah, and they they come in in these big down coats, and so you have to cut them off, and there's feathers flying everywhere. And oh, okay, here's so here's bad. pearl number one. Okay, this has nothing to do with our podcast today, but pearl number one. <laughs> don't cut the down coat. <laughs> the down coat is the only thing that you should not use your trauma shears on. I don't care what's going on with the patient. I don't care what kind of traumatic amputation they have. I don't care what kind of c-spine injury. You got to get that coat off the real way. You cannot cut that thing. I remember. It's like a, it's like a, you're like in a snow globe of, yeah, of down disaster. feathers. It's a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. I did that. I did that as an intern. And I remember I, I cut the coat, start flying around. And the fourth year afterwards just took me aside and said, Shaking rookie mistake. Don't yeah. ever do that again. No. So I learned my lesson the hard way. Yeah. I, I have learned that as well. <laughs> so, so Swami, let's get to the content. Uh, what do we have on for the podcast today? Well, we moved into our trauma block this month, and we had a great talk from one of our senior PEDS EM faculty members, Mike Mojica, on PEDS C-spine injuries. Mike sets out to tackle two main questions. How do we determine the need for imaging and clearance the C-spine after normal radiographs? I thought we'd focus on the first of those. How do we determine who needs imaging? So something to mention before we get into this is Dr. Mojica's personal experience. In 25 years of practice at a level one trauma center, Mike hasn't seen a single significant C-spine fracture in a pediatric patient. Now granted, we work in New York and we don't see a lot of high-speed MVCs, but this really speaks to the infrequent nature of these injuries. Yeah, they're extremely uncommon. Even talking to people who work in busy ped centers, you don't see a lot of these. And so it's hard to do real great studies on it. You got to do multi-institutional studies to find any kind of N of patients with these injuries. So in pediatric patients, there's some anatomic differences from adults. We know that. These anatomic differences actually dictate what kind of injuries they're going to get. The big anatomical differences are they've got cephalocervical disproportion, weak neck muscles, and ligamentous laxity. In addition to that, they've also got incomplete physis closure, which mimics a fracture, and increased predental space and prevertebral soft tissue. Now, these have two different effects. One is that we see a different injury pattern, but also the x-rays that we get are harder to interpret. From an injury pattern standpoint, these anatomical differences lead to the majority of C-spine fractures being in the C1, C2 area. In fact, lower C-spine injuries are so uncommon in pediatric patients that there are some studies looking at limited X-ray and CT scanning, basically just imaging the upper C-spine. Yes, yeah, so now before we get to the decision to scan, let's touch a little bit on the idea of spinal cord injury without radiographic abnormality or skiwara. I remember as a resident, just like learning this term and what it meant was like the bane of my existence for a while. I'm like, what do you mean they have a spinal cord injury and there's no radiographic abnormality? Now, it appears that this is less frequent than previously thought, which is probably because our advanced imaging has gotten better. They always had some kind of an injury. We just couldn't see it. Now we're seeing those. 
about 50% will be delayed in diagnosis. And if the patient has a neuro deficit, you know, that's the easy one. It doesn't matter what your original imaging shows, you're going to get an MRI and you're going to have neurosurgery see the patient. One of the keys that Mike shared is that the patient may have transient symptoms. So they may have numbness or weakness or paresthesias that occurred at the time of injury or maybe immediately afterwards, but now they've resolved by the time they get to you. Those patients still need an MRI and neurosurgical evaluation, even if their exam has normalized. That's a nice review there. All right, so let's move into some of the things that can help us determine if imaging is needed. History is helpful. Certain mechanisms are higher risk, like an axial load injury seen in diving into a pool, hyperflexion, which can come from an abrupt stop from a high speed, and hyperextension. All right, so don't dive into a shallow end of a pool and don't don't drive fast. Don't do it. You know, Jenny, I've actually broken both of those. I have dove into the shallow end of a pool. I broke my tooth. Oh, my God. Hopefully, like luckily, did not get a C-spine injury. And I tend to drive a little bit on the fast side. But, you know, we've all got to have our things. But these are the things we want to avoid. Don't dive into the shallow end of the pool. Don't drive fast. Got it. Now, Mike discussed two instruments that are out there for clinical clearance. There's pediatric nexus and there's the PCARN algorithm. He didn't discuss the Canadian C-spine because that excluded all patients under 18. So we don't have to worry about that one. So Peds Nexus had about 3,000 patients under 18. That's a nice number. And it performed very well in kids over eight. The sensitivity overall was 100%, but the lower end of that confidence interval was 88%, which I think is a little scary. Absolutely. Mike's take home was basically that Peds Nexus may not be reliable in kids under eight years of age. He also shared a nice mnemonic that I hadn't heard in the past. No NSAID. In order to be negative for nexus and not need any imaging at all, the patient has to have no neurosymptoms, no spinal tenderness, no altered mental status, no intoxication, and no distracting injuries. Nice. You know, I hadn't heard that mnemonic device before. So N, neurosymptoms, S, spinal tenderness, A, altered mental status, I, intox, hopefully not too much of a problem in your under eight group, and <laughs> D, distracting injury, N said, no N said. What about the PCARN algorithm? So the, the PCARN algorithm is a bit more complex. There's eight different parameters, and we'll drop a list in the show notes. The PCARN decision instrument appears to be a bit more robust and had a sensitivity of 98% and has a potential to decrease x-ray use by 25%. Yeah, the PCARN group always puts these nice algorithms together. They're rarely things that you can have at your fingertips or sort of in your active memory. You're better off having a decision instrument sort of support mechanism, so something like MDCalc or using a a web-based system of some kind. But the issue with PCARN is that even though it's been derived and it was derived very well, it hasn't been validated yet. And since these injuries are so rare, it's going to take them years to do a large enough study to validate it. But that study is ongoing, and we should expect to see some results in a couple of years, hopefully. When you look at that PCARN decision instrument, it's really interesting which parameters had the highest odds ratios for injury. Focal neurodeficits had an odds ratio of 8.3, diving injury an odds ratio of 73, and predisposing conditions a ratio of 15.6. Predisposing conditions includes things like trisomy 21, Ehlers-Danlos, Marfan syndrome, 
osteogenesis imperfecta, and a list of other issues. It's funny because that's a list that we don't think about in adult medicine not, very often. Not at all. And, <laughs> no. and again, the PCARN decision instrument, when you when you look up that table, they put all of those predisposing conditions in one of the little addendums there because you're not going to know all these. You're not going to remember yeah. them because you we don't. You got to look these up. Yeah, you got to look it up. So, all right, it's not something we're going to see every day, but I think it's good core content to think about. So, Jenny, let's hit on Mike's big take-home points from the lecture. So his take-home points were, first, pediatric anatomic differences affect injury patterns and imaging interpretation. Second, the nexus criteria with that great mnemonic no NSAID should be used cautiously in children under eight years of age. Next, plain x-rays, lateral, AP, and odontoid are the preferred imaging modality in children. Really try to limit the CT use. And last, consider skiwara. Even transient neurologic symptoms require MRI and neurosurgical consultation. And Mike reminds us that when there is not enough evidence to practice, evidence-based medicine really encourages us to err on the side of caution. Do what's right for the patient and practice common sense medicine. Absolutely. So that's all for the Coriem podcast this week. Come on over and check out the site at coriem.net, where we've got a ton of great core content emergency medicine. We'll have a core post up this Wednesday on proximal humerus fractures and a journal update this Thursday on point of care echo in patients with cardiac arrest. Visit us on Facebook and like us if you like the site. Visit our Google Plus page and follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at core underscore EM. Thanks and see you all next week. <laughs>